Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of the Get Your Teach On podcast. Thank you so much for joining us for another week of conversations, real talk, chit-chat about all things education and teachers and working with kids. And so thank you again for being here. I'm excited for another week that I do not have my actual co-host, but he will return next week. We have had just an incredible month of September focusing specifically on teacher wellness, on self-care, on mental wellness for educators, which is such an important topic. And it certainly does not end today. And we will continue to have conversations about this. But um, once again, I have my good friend, Daniel Patterson, here with me for another episode. Today, we're going to be talking about all things toxic positivity. We felt like this was just such an important topic just to round out all of the conversations that we've been having. And again, just want to encourage you, if you have not listened to our past three episodes, to check those out because they were extremely powerful conversations, extremely timely for what educators are facing right now. Great teachers don't just come from the classroom. They can be found almost anywhere in your life. That's why we, Wade and Hope King, created this podcast to connect you with the stories, the tools, and the joy you need to take education to the next level. Nowadays, everyone's an educator. Whether you chose that career or not. And we're all in this together. So come on, let's do this. It's time to get your teach on. already been talking for, I don't know, probably 45 minutes. I told him (laughs) that I needed my own personal therapy session before I brought him onto the podcast. So anyways, help me welcome to the Get Your Teach On podcast one more time, Mr. Daniel Patterson. Hello, hello. I I was going to text Wade. Is it something I said on the first episode? I'm pretty sure. I know. I'm pretty sure that he just, he has abandoned us. I don't know. So Wade, the past couple episodes has been, you know, all caught up in Toddlerville. And I was that's actually what I was just talking with Daniel about. We have had some school struggles, transitioning Maverick to preschool and just some different things going on. It's just never, it's just, it is it's not, a difficult, it's, it's a difficult road. It, it's yeah. not easy. Toddlers are easy. thieves of the night, you know, they're thieves of the night. <laughs> he hasn't been sleeping. I mean, parents out there, y'all already know y'all are like, yep, girl. Yeah. He'll sleep one day. Um, But he is also preparing for his big world jujitsu competition. And so as we talk about just those personally treasured activities, Wade is so great about giving that time to himself. And so he has his world jujitsu competition coming up on October like 8th or 9th in Dallas, Texas. This is a huge deal for him. And so he has been training like crazy. So his training time is at noon here. So he is actually training. So the supportive wife that I am, I said, you go you go fuel, fuel yourself, fill your bucket, do what you need to do. Daniel and I've got this. So That's right. no, no, Daniel, nothing personal. This is all Wade's issues. All right. <laughs> That's funny. He'll join us again sometime soon. But yeah, speaking of the topic of today's episode um, and just, you know, the timely nature of these conversations. And first of all, you and I both feel that they're always timely, but significantly timely. I'm just going to add a little bit more emphasis on it. One of the things, you know, that I have been seeing floating around social media, on Facebook, on, Insta- on Instagram is if you feel that this year is harder than last year, your feelings are valid because it is. Mm-hmm. And I've seen this one graphic floating around with educators. And, you know, I mean, I think that 
last year, maybe the, the difference was we knew navigating last year was going to be the unknown, but then I feel like there was all, there was some hope, right? There was some hope that if we can just get through this year, then hopefully we will see the cases come down. We will see, you know, that the coronavirus is mm-hmm. forcing improvements and we can kind of train, you know, all of the experts, everybody was saying they were hopeful for a normal start to the school year right. the following year, which was this year. We had and a so finish line. We had a finish we, we line. Thought, we yeah, had we thought some we type. Yeah, yeah, we thought we did. And then, you know, you get into the gear and for some people, um, you even got a little taste of what it was like to be unmasked and to be able to teach in in a semi-normal setting. But then all of that was taken away again. And I think that that is what's making it so challenging for so many educators is the fact that you had that finish line, then that was stripped away and you feel like you're almost starting over again. And so, you know, the exhaustion from last year bleeding into this year, but educators, that exhaustion, we could have worked through that had we right. had something to look forward to. But now it's like, hold on a second, I'm exhausted, and here we are again in this situation. And so it's a difficult time. And, you know, when we talk about toxic positivity and the role that this plays and the way that people speak to and about educators, not only are we dealing with a really difficult task on our hands of navigating yet another year, but then we have people telling us how we should be feeling about our feelings. <laughs> exactly. And and saying things to minimize our feelings. I think by no mistake, but I think a learning opportunity for we as educators lies in in this reality was how we kind of handled this last year. Now, now March 2020 is its own TED Talk, right? You know, like nobody knew what was happening. That was a uh, survival mode. But I feel like last year, and I'm guilty of this, was just kind of trying to ignore it and, and wait it out without really dealing with it, without really facing it. You know, when you catch on fire, you're stop, drop, and roll, like immediately. You deal with it. You're not like, oh, I'm on fire, but I won't be on fire. Like, I'm just going (laughs) to wait it out, right? No, you don't. But with mental health, we oftentimes try to ignore it, right? We try to not Mm -hmm. think about it. We try to outrun it, outperform it, outweigh it. And what I think we're seeing here is the, I guess, in hindsight, predictable outcome of, of not really knowing how to or allowing ourselves to process in real time how difficult last year was, right? Because right? we're just waiting right. for it to end. In struggle, we don't know when they're get, when, when our struggles are going to end. Um, yep. And so that sort of maladaptive coping skill of waiting, waiting it out is proving to be troublesome, right? Yeah, for sure. I mean, you know, and especially... Those of us who are worriers, those of us who do struggle with anxiety, who don't always, you know, our minds are so caught up in the future, right? but yet we have no idea of what is to come. And so that can definitely be triggering for a lot of us and and for navigating because, you know, then what starts to sit in my mind is, okay, yeah, we'll, we'll maybe move past this spike, but then, in, you know, for the anxious mind, it's, but when are we going to see a spike again? And right. so you're constantly on that guard of, okay, I'm not going to let my walls down too much to be too excited about anything because then when is it going to happen again? Right. Whereas I think before it was like, okay, once we get past this, we get past this because Correct. we've never navigated a pandemic before, right? And so, you know, for many of us, it was like, no, if we can yeah. just get past this, We'll be able to move on. We'll be able to, you know, resume life as we once knew it. And that's just not playing out the way that many of us had created in our narratives in our mind of what the future would hold. Yeah. And and that's where toxic positivity kind of comes into the equation in that 
you know, there's, there is a fine line you want to have and promote optimism. And I'm going to just focus on social media here for a minute, right? You want to, you want your feed to be optically pleasing. You want it to be inviting, engaging. You know, I will post content on my own feed that is personal or heavy, you know, and then people will say, accuse you of sad fishing, right? Like you're just trying to get (laughs) uh, likes out of pity or, or something, but You know, if you can't tell your story, the whole story, then that, that mute, leaving it yourself on mute to people please, or to, to not be vulnerable is, is really challenging, I think. Yeah. So before we dive in, just because I feel like, you know, this, I even shared with you before we started this episode, I said, I am certainly not the expert on toxic positivity. And, um, honestly, I don't have an exact date, but I feel like toxic positivity has been a very new term in my vocabulary, probably within the past couple of years. And so before we even get started, because, you know, it's important for us to be able to name things, right? Mm -hmm. That's one of the most important things to being able to grow, to move forward, to change things or to change emotions that maybe we aren't, you know, loving or enjoying or that aren't pleasing to us. So just in a nutshell for people who are maybe in a community where they need to be able to spot toxic positivity because that is toxic to them and they don't even recognize Mm -hmm. that that's occurring or for people who are, you know, maybe I guess the ones who are speaking and, you know, using toxic positivity, they might not even recognize it because maybe they're just thinking, oh, if we're just optimistic, if we're just positive, if we just speak about things positively, things will improve or at least our mindset will be different. Because we all know, we've heard about the science of, you know, gratitude and the role that that plays and having a positive outlook on things and the role that plays and manifesting things and speaking things into existence. And so I feel like this is such a a newer conversation. Right. I don't know that it's a new topic, but a newer conversation. So can you just kind of give everybody some background when they are trying to name certain things? What is toxic positivity in our communities? I think toxic positivity is optimism void of validation or the capacity to weave empathy within your optimism, right? So optimism is a great tool. Gratitude is a great tool. I agree with the science and work hard to try to pull those practices into my own life. As somebody who struggles with depression and anxiety, those are really important to me. That said, when you just wear the sunglasses of optimism, right? And it's shielding your eyes from other people's lived experiences, other people's struggles, it becomes really tone deaf, right? And it can make your audience, your your coworkers, your students, your, your family and friends feel like islands. Optimism with approachability, vulnerability, empathy is great. I'm all for it. I'm all for it. And there are people who do a great job with that. There are people who do a great job remaining positive while still holding space and understanding the bigger picture. And it's really hard, right? Because there's so many variables. There's so many variables of everyone's life that we don't understand. As a parent, I was guilty of this. And I think I spoke about this maybe on the first episode, but I was guilty of this on the first day of school when my kids were very nervous to go back to school and I'm packing lunches and, you know, snapping at them. It's fine. It's going to be great. It's going to be, you know, just like dumping toxic positivity on them without taking them in to say, hey, I understand you're nervous. I, I see why you're nervous. You haven't been at school a year and a half. All of these things, right? I'm just like taking a big pot of toxic positivity. It wasn't helpful. It was not helpful at all. Right. Because I wasn't taking a minute to say, I'm thinking about like my first day of school in 
in second grade, which was like, what, 1980 something, <laughs> way different. It's not, <laughs> not compatible. So uh, I had to stop um, myself and, and apologize after school and then handle it differently moving forward. Yeah. And you so. know that, that right there was such a good example. And I mean, I'm just going to be honest. I'm honest about a lot of things on this podcast and people can take it for what it is. But when I first started hearing about toxic positivity, I was like, so, so now they're trying to, you know, take away my, my ability to be right. positive like that. So when can I be positive and, and when am I just supposed to never be positive around people who are sad or people who are feeling big emotions or, and so, you know, I really kind of got up in my own feelings because it made me uncomfortable right. to sit with the fact that, well, I'm just a positive person. Right. But I think, and, and what I've learned and, and I am so grateful that you spelled it out the way that you did, because I think that it was a perfect explanation is that it's not the positivity. That's the problem. It's the positivity without the validation. Right. And that is a simple sh switch. That is a simple, you know, and Wade and I did a whole episode about this actually that you can't always be sympathetic to people because you don't always know what someone is feeling. You have not lived someone's stories. It, it's mm -hmm. hard for me to be sympathetic about something that I have never lived, but you can be empathetic and you can show empathy. Right. And I think that that is the difference of being positive and being, you know, having toxic positivity is like you said, you know, I'm we're, I'm dealing with the same situation with Maverick right now, you know, being a mom mm -hmm. that's sending my child to school and he's crying every day still and I've read a lot of things and, you know, I've tried, I've tried to, what are some tips? What are some strategies? How do I get my child to regulate his emotions? Like, what do I do? And so much of what I've read is exactly what you just said with your kids, validating those feelings, saying, are you scared? It's okay to be scared. Are you nervous? It's okay to be nervous, but you're safe. And so right. to validate those feelings, but then to also give him facts that will, and, and I read something too that said that if a child, like what you were talking about with your kids, if you kept telling them, oh, it's going to be fun. Oh, it's going to be great. That in their mind, they are going, but it's not fun or great to me. And so they can't move past those emotions. But by letting right. them know, and, oh, and it's they, okay. They don't yeah. trust you. They, they diminish your trust, right? Because exactly. validation doesn't need to mean that you agree with them, right? It just means that you are holding space and getting curious about their experience. Yeah. Right. And even helping them name it, you know? And so that's something that I have tried to do a lot with Maverick is I understand, you know, it's okay to be scared or it's okay to be frustrated or it's okay to be angry or nervous or whatever it may be, but you are also safe. So kind of having those one, you know, those, yes, here's what you're feeling. Let's validate it. But let me give you some facts to maybe build some confidence on top of too. But, but what does this look like? You know, I think it's a little bit easier to talk about with kids, right? Mm-hmm. What does this look like in our school buildings? What does this look like with our colleagues, with with fellow educators, with administration, the role of toxic positivity, you know, in our school environments, with parents even, right? Well, yeah, I think it it's such a complex question because it's like that fine line between dumping the truth on somebody when they ask how you're doing, right? Yeah. But yeah. you don't want to be Debbie Downer or something, or you don't want to be like wah, wah, wah. But at the same time, uh, there was a guy <laughs> that I worked with for 10 years and every Every time I asked him, I would say, how you doing today, Tom? He'd be like, couldn't be better. You know, and you just heard the sarcasm <laughs> and just the, all of it in his voice, right? He never once gave a true answer. Right. So, you know, at, at that point, like, what is the meaning of that relationship? If, if you can't, if, if either he didn't feel safe actually saying it, or I didn't mm -hmm. take the time to position myself as a, a ear that could handle it. Mm -hmm. But I was guilty of that too. I mean, 
being a principal and struggling with alcohol addiction and depression. And I would show up at school and pretend like everything was fine. Right. Yeah. But that's a little bit different than we're talking about right now. Just on the day to day, I feel like, you know, people are really struggling right now. And so even if it's unintentional, if, if all you're doing is communicating the best in everything, it can make you seem unaware yeah. And that that's a mistake because what's good for the brand can be bad for the brain, right? Yeah. Like if you if you think everything is just fine, 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 or that's all you're putting out into the world, people are going to see you as someone who's disconnected. Yeah. So yeah. I don't have a magic recipe, but I do know that it's different for everyone, but the ingredients are gratitude, optimism, vulnerability, and curiosity, right? Trying to learn from other people's experiences. Yeah. And so, you know, I mean, I think that, again, it also makes, you know, I think when I look at those people with kind of like side eyes, like, are you real? Are you a real human? It makes connection very difficult. Like right. it's very difficult for me to connect to someone who doesn't, who doesn't seem to be showing up as authentic. Right. And so now, I mean, I do feel like there are some people who, um, my mother is one of them. Oh my goodness. That woman is like, she can see the good in everything. She is so, such a positive human being. Like she, she's just naturally positive and that's just who she is as a person. And that's just how her brain is wired. And that's one of the things that I love most about her, but she will also, you know, again, validate feelings, validate your emotions. And I think that that's such an important piece is stopping to validate because I think a lot of times, you know, I don't think that it's the intention that's bad. I think that a lot of times people who are tend to be positive and tend to see the positive in everything, they, they are hoping to almost switch your emotions for you. They want to be able right. to control your emotions, but recognizing that we don't have, you know, the ability to be able to do that necessarily. And so that validation is so important. So when we are having conversations with colleagues and say we are, you know, on a team with someone who has has that toxic positivity vocabulary. I don't know how else to say it, but you know, it it's always frustrating when you're like trying to share a story and then you have someone go, "Oh yeah, I've been there too," but and they always have to one up you, right? They always right. have to make yeah, it a little bit <laughs> yeah, yeah, a little bit more severe than your own situation. We've talked a lot about setting boundaries, but how do we navigate these conversations because I feel like there are things that we can do to have open and honest conversations with people to where you don't want to get to the point where you're like, I just can't stand that person because they're so positive about everything and they're always trying to one-up you, but you're still working on a team with them. So how are we able to have conversations and set boundaries if we are noticing that others might have that toxic positivity vocabulary? Well, I think it's important to realize that that toxic positivity can also be you know, a coping skill for people because they just are not, they're not prepared, ready, willing, or able to handle what's actually happening, right? For the very reason I will watch like John Wick over and over again um, when I'm feeling stressed out because I just want to be in some other land and watch a show that would never happen, right? That's a coping skill. So is, you know, toxic positivity as we're calling it. I also think it's important to understand that you can't change everyone. Right. So, and if you imagine yourself as water and imagine them as a rock, you just need to go around them and keep moving. I mean, energy is sacred and, and your emotional equity, like where are you investing it? Mm -hmm. I don't know that I would want to invest it in trying to correct the toxic positivity behavior of a coworker as much as I would invest that energy in 
forming real relationships with the other team members. Yeah. And then get that critical mass where together you guys can move around that person. That is such a great point. And honestly, the minute that you said it's a coping skill, I'm like, that that could very well be me in situations or have been me before I became aware of toxic positivity because I love people. I talk to educators all across the, the nation. We host conferences. I, educators are like my people, right? And I can talk education and I can talk school all day long. But a couple of years ago, I'm also a very awkward human. I can I can be an extremely awkward <laughs> individual, especially when it comes to talking about feelings. And several years ago, and this has been something that, you know, I think my marriage and, and doing therapy together with Wade has helped me improve upon over the past couple of years. But I was never one to talk about feelings. And I always hated asking people how they were for the sake of, oh, crap, what are they going to say? Yeah, getting and, the real answer. And how am I going to respond if they don't say, oh, I'm great? I, I don't know what to say to people. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, and I, honestly, I'm still very awkward. And I feel like I've, I've made some growth and, and I've, you know, learned some things along the way for sure. But maybe you're like me and you're like, well, I just don't, I don't know how to handle situations like that. So I just right. try to avoid it or I try to change the subject. And sometimes changing the subject can be very toxic too, because it shows that, you know, you have very little interest in that person. And so I think one of the biggest things for me to change my coping skills, maybe, because that that's what I needed to do was re rework my, my coping skills. Right. So for me, instead of just changing the subject or like, oh, it'll be fine. It'll be, oh, right. you know, my faith is a big one for me. And for Christians, I think we have to be so careful about saying, but God's got, God's got this. God's got, right. God does. Ha- yes, I do firmly believe that. But also that doesn't mean that you're not going to struggle and feel very real emotions. Right. Right. And so one of the biggest things that I've had to kind of reframe my coping skills to be, and it can be as simple as this. You do. I've recognized I do not have to have the answers. Correct. I do not have to have the answers to help them solve their problem. And I think that's the weight that I wore a lot of times is like, but I just want to fix it. I'm a fixer. I just want to fix right. everything. And so to me saying, oh, it'll be okay was me, you know, affirming them and the fact that you're going to be, you're going to make it, you're going to survive. Right. But instead switching that out to just saying, I hear you. Mm-hmm. I, it's as simple as just saying, I hear you or man, I am so sorry that you are struggling so much. You know, just simple validation. I think that's where we have to start. For people like myself or people like you're speaking of that have these coping strategies that just help us, we just want to navigate around the the actual conversation. It's just recognizing that, first of all, number one, listen, and number two, validate. And you can stop right there. You literally can stop with validation. You don't even have to know the next step because I still don't know how to help. I'm not a therapist. I don't know. I, I seek right. therapy myself. So well, I don't I, have I to think know it, it, it's There's a sliding scale, right? Of, of like the depth of your relationship and how yes. proximal you are in life or as colleagues, right? So there's people that you can offer support tangibly or emotionally and, it, and it's meaningful. But yep. if, if let's say someone's at a book signing, right? And they they kind of unpack on you or unload on you. This is the same trick that I use for remembering names. When somebody says, hi, I'm so-and-so, I always say hi, and then I say their name, right? Back, so I'll remember it. But if somebody says, I'm so sad about X, Y, and Z, then you say, well, I hear you. I'm so sorry that you're feeling so, and you name the emotion back, sad. You know, I bet that's really difficult. And just by stating the emotion that they've expressed, right? Um, if they've been able to name it, I wouldn't name it for them. But if right. they do give you one, you can you can give it back to them. It, it's a great way to show that you are listening, right? Yeah. And that you're not being dismissive. 
Right. And such a simple thing to do. And just the power that that has, you know, we talk about connections with kids, but honestly, the way that we connect with kids is the way that we connect with all humans. It's just human connection. Like bottom right. line, it yes, kids don't might not be able to verbalize as many things and might not be able to name as many things, but the connection is exactly the same. So I think that whether we're working with students or we're our colleagues or our family at home or whatever it may be, that foundation for trust starts with you being able to give them the confidence that they can share whatever it is that they are feeling and you are at least going to receive that, right? right. You're not going to try to navigate into a different direction or give them a different emotion or, or press because to me, that's what toxic positivity is, is when I'm trying to press another emotion, suppress the one that they're feeling and Correct. give them a new one to feel, right? right. And so then again, that's going to completely break that barrier of trust because they're going to feel like, okay, well, I can never show up as I am with this person. I just need to show up and be positive all the time because they're going to make me be positive anyways, right? So I think that just whether we're working with students, I think this is a huge focal point for us when we are having conversations with parents. You know, I think that you and I chatted about this actually on a previous episode, but when parents come in to sit down for meetings, ask them how they're doing and validate those feelings. Again, if they name something, I think that what you said, Daniel, was such a powerful practice. Never name an emotion for them. But if they name something, you reiterate that. You validate that for them. Mm -hmm. That's going to open those doors for people to say, well, I can show up just as I am. Mm-hmm. And to me, that authenticity is the first step in creating a foundation of trust. Right. And validation and being a solution factory are different, right? So you don't have to be a solution factory. I mean, we've all been in that position on probably on both sides. I know I have of the person maybe on my prep period who would come in every single day and just unload on me, right? Mm-hmm. They just want me to, and we all have the bandwidth for how much we can handle. And so there is that dance that we dance about holding space, but also not playing the role of a third party therapist or somebody who's right. fit to meet that role. So right. there is, I understand why people don't want to ask because they don't necessarily want to have to carry that burden, which is mm-hmm. correct because we're all going through so much anyways. Right. Yeah. yeah. But then on the other side, you know, it's nice to have that colleague to go to when you really need an ear. Yeah. So, you know, yeah. It's it's a weird life. We're all it, we're all doing the best we can. We're really we're all awkward people feeling a lot of awkward things trying to try to figure it out. But you know the final suggestion that I would give to people is because we talked about being able to identify toxic positivity and I think that we have to identify it when it's coming from us and when it's coming from others and how we, you know, a solution for us is is simply validating and and, and showing empathy, right? But mm-hmm. when you are receiving toxic positivity in your direction, I think this goes back to boundaries, but I think that the practice that we can make, and, and it's not just that, again, we cut off relationships. Yes, maybe we're going to have boundaries within that specific relationships and what we share with those individuals. But honestly, if we can just start with assuming the best of that person, right? Mm-hmm. Because again, and I'm not saying assume the best and then let them run over you. Okay. So there's a, there's a very big difference there, right? Or assuming the best and then letting them really affect and impact your emotions negatively. But assuming the best in the fact that maybe this person is, you know, like we talked about earlier, is, is coping in a different way. They're, they're trying, they're not comfortable with this type of conversation or they're not comfortable mm-hmm. or, or maybe this is triggering for them. And they don't want to share their story and they don't want to share how, you know, it's impacted them. So they just navigate their way around it. And that simple navigation is you'll be okay. It's it's dismissing you to get away from them having to maybe share. And so 
And that goes back to grace, right? Yeah, a hundred percent, a hundred percent. And so I think that when we are dealing with colleagues and we see toxic positivity coming coming in our direction, instead of reacting or instead of allowing that to really impact our emotions, just stop and say, what could that person be feeling? Or what might they be struggling with, right? And then again, having those people that you know you can talk to, that you you know you can open up around and just kind of setting a boundary for that relationship. It doesn't necessarily make them a bad person just because they can't handle that situation the way that you want for them to, right? Correct. Yeah. And were they, not everyone can hold the space that you require. That's right. Right. That's right. And nor can you hold the space that everyone requires of you. So again, <laughs> it is, it's like a blender <laughs> of emotions and you never quite know what you're going to get, but Imagine your life like an auditorium. Not everyone has to have a front row seat. So there are people, you don't have to excommunicate them. Um, It's not functional on a team, for example, to not be cordial or collaborative with somebody, but they don't have to have all access, right? Maybe they can Mm -hmm. move back to the back row for a little bit. And that's not because you're better and they're worse. It's just, it's a looking for synergy and congruence of emotion and holding a boundary for yourself. This could not have been, I think, a better topic to kind of wrap up all of the things that we've talked about, because I feel like by having an understanding of setting boundaries, of that self-awareness, of being able to create a space where we feel safe to express our emotions, that kind of allows us to to lead up to, you know, how we handle situations with others when we are not receiving the validation in the way in which we would like to receive that validation. And mm-hmm. And like you said, it's a it's a constant ebb and flow. It's a constant learning. It's a constant growing. I I know I'm, I still, oh my gosh, I will never walk this life and navigate every experience well. Like it, I will just never have it nailed, right? It's right. just a constant learning. And, and I think that for me, the biggest thing is that I always start with listening. Mm-hmm. I always start with listening. And that's kind of the foundation of, of moving forward and progressing with other humans for me. And so anyways, I'm, I'm glad that we chatted about this today because I, I told Daniel when we started, when we, I said, okay, here's our topic for today. I'm like, listen, I don't really know what I'm going to say about this because <laughs> it's still such a learn because I am that awkward human. I am that awkward human that's still struggling with, you know, I feel like I'm getting better about talking about my emotions, but how I handle others when they're sharing theirs, it's just a constant learning experience. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I wake up grumpy. Grumpy is my normal temperature. What's a good thing that you and Wade are not in the same household? (laughs) Yeah, and I uh, rev myself energetically up to a baseline that's at least neutral. All right. So, you know, we love that for you. We we love that for you. (laughs) (laughs) No, but hopefully this was also helpful because, you know, I think that this constantly plays a role for people when they don't have coping techniques or strategies, or they don't even have awareness of it. I think that Mm -hmm. that plays a role again with our connection with our colleagues, with parents, with students. And so again, just an awareness, just opening up and having this dialogue and these conversations, I think is so powerful for everyone, even if it just builds a little bit of awareness, a little bit more, a little bit more, a little bit more at a time. So Daniel, thank you so much for another great conversation. Thank you. Today was lovely for me. I know that I learned a lot listening from you and kind of was able to name and understand a little bit more about myself. So I appreciate that. But also, like I said in the beginning, please go back and listen to those previous episodes. I think that these past four have really created a foundation for how we create safe, safe spaces in our classrooms, in our school environments. And that is going to be probably one of the biggest components and factors to success for these next couple of years until, you know, and then who knows what's going to happen after those next few years, right? We're, we're just going right. to take it a day at a time right now. We're just going to take it a day at a time. Absolutely. I mean, there's going to be no 
we're going to make no progress on the learning loss unless yes. we tackle the emotional needs first. Man, that truer words have never been spoken. And you know, we are big on student engagement and that's amazing, but you can have the most elaborate, amazing lesson, have every hands-on experience you ever wanted. And that lesson will fall completely flat because it's not connecting to students and their mental capacity to be able Correct. to process that information, process that experience, or even be at a place where they can even engage in that experience. So much right. of engagement now, the, the more learning that I have done is the mental component. Once we can get them in a mental space to be able to engage within the experience themselves, that's where the power is. That's then correct. all of that stuff can take it to the next level, but not until we engage with them and their mental capacity. So just, it's been an amazing couple years of learning for me during the pandemic. I have been grateful for this time on that end. There are a lot of things I'm maybe not loving so much, but it's, it's definitely been great learning for me. So Daniel, I know this is not going to be the last time that we have you on the Get Your Teach On podcast. <laughs> well, I appreciate it. Any stretch of the imagination. I'm pretty sure you're just my new co-host now. But before we let you go, tell everyone, because I, I know that so many of them already do connect with you through social and different components, but where can they find you if they want to continue to connect and, and to engage in your content? Thank you. Uh, Patterson Perspective is my handle, Instagram and TikTok. And PattersonPerspective.com is my website. My book, Recover EDU, is on Amazon. Um, I'd love to connect. And Daniel is also going to be a part, I'm so excited, because he's going to be a part of our virtual Rocker School Conference, which That's this right. is the first time that we've ever done this conference. And honestly, something completely different than we've ever done before. And so the whole day is going to be dedicated specifically to the educator, to teacher wellness. I, I'm sure, Daniel, you've heard it too, but I have a lot of people reaching out like, Yes. Like I hear everyone preaching at me to take care of myself, to prioritize myself. I've heard it to where I can't even hear it anymore because I hear it so much. Cause I feel like it is a lot of talk going on in education is prioritize right. yourself, take care of yourself. But I love that these people have stepped up and said, but how I mm -hmm. truly don't know how we have never really as educators been allowed to think about how we take care of ourselves before we take care of others. I mean, some people, have probably done that and done that well. But I would say for the majority of educators, it's never even been in our thought process. And so now we're having to completely reframe, retrain our thoughts, our thinking to prioritizing ourselves, And that is not easy, especially when it's something you haven't done forever, right? That's right. We're coming in hot. We're coming in hot with some IKEA grade instructions, like really easy to follow, really simple, user-friendly. Although Building IKEA furniture is awful, so maybe, <laughs> maybe that's that, a bad analogy. We got the first uh, part. We'll, we'll we'll forget that there that it's so difficult to put together. <laughs> yeah, that, if anything can test a marriage, is putting together an IKEA bed. <laughs> so maybe before you marry somebody, always get a piece of IKEA furniture. See how that's it works out before you make a hundred percent commitment. Accurate. Accurate. That should definitely no, be part of the experience. But we are so excited for this. We are bringing in um, a lot of just experts in the field. Mark Brackett is going to be joining us, who wrote Permission to Feel. And um, he he is just an incredible individual that has done so much work and so much study in this space. Daniel's obviously going to be there. We have um, Danielle Koch, who everybody knows as Oh Happy Danny. She does a lot of information and talk on toxic positivity as well. So I'm, I'm anxious to hear from her and learn from her. But we want, just wanted to create, first of all, a space that educators could show up just as they are, but learn how we can make it a daily practice to take care of ourselves versus survival techniques. I just don't mm -hmm. think it's a healthy mindset every day to walk into school. I don't think you should have to walk into school every day and just say, I want to survive the day. I well, truly that's what we did. Think, that's what we did last year and look where we oh, are. 
Say that again, Daniel. Say that again. <laughs> That's right. We did that last year, and here we are. So, so we've got to change we have to, something. We got to change it. That's right. So we're excited to to create that space and to be with you guys. It is going to be on October second. Daniel will actually be here live with us in That's Atlanta, right. Georgia. We're going to be having some panels, but it's just going to be an amazing space. And we truly feel like you will walk away from that day empowered, but also equipped, equipped to be able to start implementing these practices that will truly prioritize you. So thank you once again, Daniel, for being a part of this podcast. Thank you for the work that you are doing in this space. I know I have learned so much from you. So I highly encourage anyone who's listening to go tap in with Daniel. He's also amazing at responding to you through social if you have questions and things like that. So Daniel, we will see you soon here in Atlanta for the Rock Your School Conference. And hopefully we will see you as well. You can go to getyourteachon.com to grab your tickets. But until then, have an amazing week, everybody. And we will see you next week for another episode of Get Your Teach On. The Get Your Teach On podcast is hosted by me, Wade King. And me, Hope King. The show is produced by Sterling Coates. And edited by Andrew Weller with production support from Chase Mayo. Cameron Berkman is our executive producer. The Get Your Teach On podcast is a 3% chance production.